Hi, I'm Princess Rara. And I'm Dara, the Electro Khaleesi. And this is Pink Kink, the podcast where we talk about the pretty, twisted side of kink. Today's episode is produced by our electrifying pink kinksters. Thank you, Jay, the ESW, Brianna Lynn, Daddy Jay, Fabe, Embers, Blossom, William P., Lady, Claire, Jam Today, Mr. N and Mrs. Jess, Mistress Goodgirl, Lady Blooding, Primal Empress, Kaze, Clockwork Dork, Harley Gentleman, Roxy, Mistress Francesca, Naughty and Nice, Butte Pain, Manda Panda, Cat, Stefan, Brooklyn B, Shadow Phoenix, Serenity Deb, Robert, Ruby R, Christopher, Jess, Kilted Sir, Sam, Firegood, Schrodinger's Kink, May Cry Devil, Riot, MJ Striker, J Swizz, All for Salami, Chakra, Fruit Liquor, Mistress Velma. Pink Kink runs off the generosity of our devoted patrons. As a patron, you will become a member of our special Discord server, receive some adorable Pink Kink stickers, as well as have access to a monthly behind-the-scenes podcast. In addition, our impactful and electrifying Pink Kinksters will get special audio and video episodes. And finally, patrons at our highest tier will be recognized as producers both here on the podcast and on our website. If you would like to become a patron, you can visit us at patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast or click the link at pinkkinkpodcast.com. Dara, it is still the greatest month that ever existed, the month of September, which is our birthday Birthday month. And so for our birthday month, we are doing a patron push. And according to last month, now we have a reward that's even bigger. That's true. We are trying to gain 15 patrons in the month of September. Because that was our compromise from Rara's overly high expectations and my underwhelming realism. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) One of the things, and we talk in, if you actually listen to the beginning of the episode, we talk about the things you can get as part of of being a patron. But now we have a special reward. If we can pull off 15 patrons this month, we have a special scene planned where I get to humiliate Dara with our patrons' help. I'm not sure it's going to work if it's you. <laughs> Why? I, I I just, I will be in hysterics laughing. It's not going to work if it's you. We'll be too silly with it. We got to get somebody else. My feelings are hurt. I love you, but we're going to be hysterically laughing the whole time and you know it. All right. We'll figure it out. I'll okay. Get, I'll get somebody who you who has your permission to do this. Can't be Daddy J either because I will still be laughing. Oh, I know who can do it. Yeah. I just have to see if she can make her way over here to okay, do There's it. only two people that I'm thinking you're thinking. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well. All right. So just quick reminder. As a patron, all patrons get access to our Discord server. Which, which is, is awesome. awesome. you also get these adorable stickers if dara ever gets them out but she will i will i I swear to god i promise you get a monthly behind the scenes uh audio where we just we're us telling you what's going on yeah and it's for lack of a better word kind of raw (laughs) if you think the episodes are bad yep you'll have uh you get special behind-the-scenes stuff in the Discord server. 
You get to have a say in what's happening with, with suggestions and questions and answers and access to us. In our top two tiers, you have a monthly Q&A. You have um, videos, which we will put together and get out, I promise. And in our top tier, you get recognized as a producer. So I think that's pretty much what we have to say. Don't want to spend too much time on this. But yes, please, if you can't be a patron, we understand not everybody can financially support us. But then tell your friends about us and maybe they can financially support us and we can make that goal of 15 new patrons. Do it. All right. So on to today's episode. Before we begin, I actually want to talk about some potential triggers and some content warning for this episode. We might be talking about phobias and anxieties and types of scares, some death and dying, daily struggles. So just a heads up. I should have read these notes. You think? Oh, fuck. Is that a spider? What? No. Got you! You're a a contasaurus. (laughs) Today's episode is fear play. (laughs) I played this out since last night. It worked. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay. So after... After she scrapes me up off the ceiling. Because I think I just tried to climb a wall. I'm okay. Are you? No, not really, but I'll be okay. I mean. (laughs) Fuck you, bitch. Look on your face. Oh, priceless. (laughs) Okay. I can close I'm gonna go outside and dent. I'm gonna go outside and dent your car. What? Like another dent on my car? Like I'll notice. And there's no roommate this time to (laughs) use a plunger and fix it. Fear play. I'm gone. I'm out for the rest of the episode. See you guys. If she's gonna pull shit like this, I'm gone. Fear play describes any activity that involves the use of fear to bring about arousal. You're lucky you weren't behind me because I've actually like thrown punches at people. For I, doing I wasn't that. sure my coffee was over there just in case you jumped up. Yeah, <laughs> we gonna have fight. I, I won't do that again. We gonna I have promise. a fight. I just needed that to start. No. <laughs> now I know people talk about arousal, specifically sexual arousal, but just remember that I prefer the idea. <laughs> I stole it from Sunny Megatron. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. That kink is about arousal of so much more than just your body. It's also arousal of your mind, your heart, your soul. It doesn't have to be just sexual arousal. Now, in fear play, an individual's terrified mental state, similar to what happened to poor Dara when I pretended there was a spider, triggers a rush of adrenaline. No, it didn't. Which causes arousal. No, it didn't. <laughs> Fear play is different from masochism, in which arousal is caused by the endorphin rush. This is an adrenaline rush. All right. And fear play definitely falls into the category called edge play because of the risks involved with high physical or psychological risk. Anybody have a snake? 
I have an intense dislike of snake. I don't have a phobia. But I do have an intense dislike. I'm trying to think of what I can use. <laughs> what am I going to bring no. to Rara's next party? Oh, I'm so screwed. Voldemort. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will come up. I mean, we'll just whistle. So we will talk about those <laughs> risks a later, bit, a little bit later in the episode. Um, but this is why also I did that content warning at the beginning, because we are going to talk about things like, you know, poor Dara's phobia and other things. So phobia implies that it is a fear. No. It, well, yeah. But like most people, don't you don't you consider that like unfounded fears? There are deadly spiders. I've yeah. s- have you seen some of the size of spiders in Australia? Have I you, don't think that's an unfounded fear. Have you seen the ESW's recent Facebook posts? Uh, no, I skipped past that where where he posted pictures of his pet spiders. Yeah. I said, no, you can't do this anymore. I'm going to block you. Yeah. <laughs> that's a no. <laughs> now, some forms of fear play can take advantage of someone's pre-existing emotional doubts and their fears of like abandonment and humiliation, for example. And other fears are more of on a physical level. So things like, you know, your medical play, your knife play, kidnapping, all of that Ooh, can those fall are fun. under it. Now, because fear play can really have some significant psychological damage on you, I really, really want to talk about the risks involved before we ever give you ideas of how to incorporate fear play into your scenes. Right, because a, a bottom in a fear play scene can become so frightened that they might actually go into a crisis mode, and you need to be prepared to deal with that. So, Dara, what are some ways that you that you respond to your fears? Depends on what the fear is. So, um, what you did, <laughs> I about leapt out of the chair. So the fight or flight mode. Well, so that was flight. What yeah. you just did was flight because it was over there. Now, one time a friend was behind me, walking behind me, going toward my apartment, and she just sort of like teased her extra special long fingernails on the back of my neck. And of course, I turned around and was ready to, I really, I literally had my fist up ready to punch her in the face because I knew, yeah, so that was my fight. Um, Freeze. I don't think I've had that response um, for spider ever. It's usually just flight for me yeah um freeze is more bees freeze for bees because aren't we always taught that don't move and it'll think you're a flower and then it'll just go away really yeah i accidentally once ran through a beehive somebody else had broken and i just kept running right past them because i just felt like some sort of darts at me it wasn't darts it was bees no um some of the other things you might notice is that they're panicking no i've done that uh they're crying some people respond crying yep some people respond with chills and shivering or the opposite they're overheated you've got your heart pounding the sense of dread shaking shivering um difficulty breathing or catching their breath what if you're all of these it's very possible you can be more than one because this just seems like an anxiety attack to me well if you are in crisis mode from a fear play scene then i wouldn't say that that anxiety wouldn't be Something can you can you do a fear play scene to somebody by telling them we're going to be like 10 minutes late? Oh, that would do it for me. Right? 
I ha- I hate being late. Me too. And it sends me into an anxiety attack sometimes. Yeah. So like, can that be an actual thing? Yeah. I want to know if anybody's actually done that because that I'm sounds sure. interesting to me now. And then, believe it or not, there's also fawning. What? Fawning, which is when you're fawning over something. So you're thinking, how can I, what can I do to appease the person doing this to me or prevent it from getting any worse than it already is? Oh, so yeah, I have issues with that. Um, because that's something that like uh, victims of abuse do. Yes, exactly. And that's the crisis mode. Okay. Okay. So now you've recognized the crisis mode. How would you deal with it? Well, there's something called the 54321 grounding technique. And for anybody who might suffer from panic attacks, you've probably heard of this because this is pretty common. You start with name five things that you can see. They do that. Name four things you can feel. Name three things you can hear. Name two things you can smell. And name one thing you can taste. Coffee. Right? That's a good taste. Yeah. And and the point is, is they're now counting. they're, They're not concentrating on something else. So it makes it easier for them. Now, this technique, it doesn't have to be exact. It doesn't have to be specifically the five things you can see. The point is, it's usually the five senses. And the reason they usually say five things you can see is because that's the easiest. You can usually find five things you can see versus can you really find five things you can taste. But the point is, it's do the five, the four, the three, two, one with your five senses. Um, Something else. And I actually do this to get through impact scenes that are really hard breathing technique concentrate tell them to breathe and breathe into the count of four and exhale to the count of six and you always want to exhale longer than you're breathing in so you could do two and four four and six six and eight as long as whatever the exhale is is a longer count than the inhale so what helps with that because this is how i get rid of anxiety attacks is you breathe in really really deep but you purse your lips a little bit when you're breathing back out so that actually forces it to come out slower so, I don't know. That just helps with me. Yeah. And these are all great. And and this is the point. The reason I'm telling you this is it's not necessarily a guarantee that if you do a fear place scene, your bottom will go into crisis mode. But I just feel from a safety standpoint, we want to get this information out there so you're prepared. Uh, because please remember, you can really do real damage if you go too far. Yeah, you can totally fuck somebody up with this. Right? So, even when it's a negotiated consented to scene try to undershoot instead of overshoot just to be on the safe side um a couple of other important points if you are the top you want to ensure that your partner won't end up genuinely fearing you as an individual right yeah yeah don't don't go all rage crazy on them and make them fear you personally just the scene There's a big difference between being afraid of being spanked and being afraid of the person who's doing it to you. Yep. Because then you're an abuser. And that's much harder to come back from. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, if you've now made it so that your partner fears you, how are you going to get past that? It's a fine line between doing a scene and breaking trust. That's, that's the big line walk that you have to be able to do. And it's not an easy one to walk. Yep. The top is leading the experience, but their presence has to be a positive one. And you do walk a very, very fine line between creating this fear situation and making them afraid of that versus making them afraid of you. So you need to be present, attentive, competent, adaptable. 
and comforting. All right. The in a fear play here is crucial. The bottom should never ever be afraid that their partner is going to violate their hard limits or ignore their safe word. Big honking no nos. So don't use that as the fear that you're going to incorporate into the scene. That shouldn't be used for fucking anything. Right? Do not make the scene that you know they don't do blood play and you threaten them with hitting them until they're bloody. Like, no. Okay. So, for example, um, I used to do CNC with my uh, partner, Horsecock. Uh, and we incorporated a lot of fear play into that. So one thing he was afraid of was a Wartenberg wheel. I can respect that. It's one of my more hated elements because for me, it tickles. I, I don't, I don't think I ever got into why he was afraid of it, but I used to, he gave me permission to do this. He said, no, this is like the exact thing you should do, um, was to use it like, um, like a knife. Mm-hmm. Like hold it against his throat and say, I'm going to cut you with this if you don't let me do what I want to do to you. And he would like shake. Imagine a seven foot one man shaking because you're holding a Wartenberg wheel. To him. Yeah. I also used to threaten his balls with it, but that was different. The bottom needs to be confident that you know what you are doing and that you're not going to end up seriously injuring them or upsetting them because All potential for fun and closeness in the scene will be snuffed if they're legitimately worried for their own health and safety in the scene. All right. So take steps to avoid that. It is absolutely crucial if you want to create the right atmosphere to have a successful fear play scene. So do you have anything else that you want to add before we get into the fear play itself? Um, no, I mean, I just really want to restate, like, we have to do this over and over again. There are certain things where, um, like, you know how we say aftercare is not negotiable? Yeah. In these kinds of cases, and we've said this before, when you're fucking with somebody's mind, you need to be really, really careful. And that goes into what we said before about not being the thing that they fear. You don't want to end up being that. And that's how you do that by kind of letting things go and not taking care of it right away. So that's all I wanted to add on that part. Okay. So, of course, here comes the question, which Dar will love. The Mm -hmm. why. I love the why. It's my favorite. Why do we enjoy fear? Okay. So here's a question. Who the hell enjoys this? People who go to haunted houses, people who ride roller coasters, people who like going to scary movies. Rara, I didn't say I was any of those people. I don't like to swing. <laughs> okay. And she means literally sing- sitting on a swing, folks. Like sitting on a swing and <laughs> rocking back and forth on it and flying through the air. I don't like it. Right. Well, Do you wh- know why? Why? I'm not afraid of heights. I've never been afraid of heights. I looked down over the cliffs of Moore for fuck's sake. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, this is awesome. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling. Well, isn't that what they say about airplanes? I'm not afraid of flying in an airplane. I'm afraid of crashing. Yes. <laughs> So, like, the second the swing comes down, I'm, like, gripping the thing going, oh, my God. I can so see you doing that. Yes. I love to go on swings, but not too high because then I get nauseous. It's all weird. No, well, see, that's that's valid. That's why I started not liking to go on roller coasters because I am, like, severely motion sick. Mm-hmm. But now I don't like going down. Right. Well, fear is only fun 
if deep down you actually know you're safe, right? I don't. I don't. Because you know how many roller coasters have actually broken or people have fallen out of them because the, the safety things were not safe? Okay. But the percentages you're going to I don't be care. But let's look at, for instance, haunted houses, right? You know you're not actually going to get hurt, and it's pretend. It's a world of difference between walking in a bad section of town at night by yourself in dark alleys. No. Where you don't the, necessarily know that you're going to be safe. It's the perfect place for an actual serial killer to hide, and they might, like, use it, and then people don't know that it's actually a okay. murder happening. But what? We're going to turn off your mic. You're being nonsensical. What? No, that's perfectly sensical. No. I watch too many TV shows. Yeah. Like true crime shit or just crime shit. Go back to sex. Send okay. me to the ER. Yeah, I like that episode. That one's funny because people are stupid. Right. We're also, we're, when, we're playing, when we're doing fear scenes, hopefully you're playing with somebody that you know well and trust. And we talk again about, right, as we did in the humiliation episode. Yes, you should always play with somebody you trust. This is just next level trust. Well, we did talk about that, too. Who would you next level trust? So, like, Rara, I love you as much as I trust you. Honestly, we would be hysterically laughing through everything that we did to each other with this. Well, because it wouldn't be we wouldn't be scared. We'd be too busy chuckling. No, it would never work. Another reason people enjoy fear is the chemicals, our neurochemical rush. The adrenaline gets going. The endorphin gets high. And then at the end, you survived the scary thing. Your dopamine or serotonin kicks in. You feel good. I feel like this is a running theme that we have going on recently. Well, I think it has a lot to do with BDSM when people, why do we do it? And when we talk about the fact that it's our drug of choice, there are chemicals within our body that are being activated by all of this and they make you feel good. Yes, they do. Except for in this case, that's a no for me. I know. There's also that satisfaction. You've overcome your fear. You faced your fear. You survived it. You overcame it. That's a pretty good feeling. I'm having visions of myself trying to hold a spider to get over my fear. This is not working. Well, because your fear is like next level fear. It's a phobia. There's a different. We're talking. There's fear and phobias are two different things. Is this where I tell the spider story? You can tell it wherever you feel appropriate to tell it. It's. A good story and appropriate to the story. I mean, it depends on it depends on which spider story. But let me just the the the, the spider story. I think you know this one. So you know how every seventeen years we get the cicadas, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so we've had them pretty. We just, recently. We just had them last year. Yeah, last year was a year twenty twenty one. Okay, so the one, I remember because it was my first. It was my first oh, seven was your first year cicada. cicada. Oh, 17. 17. It was my first seventeen year cicada. So yeah, God willing, I'll be alive at the next one. Yep. Well, you know. Just spray them with pink. You'll be fine. Um, so the one prior to that is what I'm referencing. So I'm at home, my parents' house, um, and it was like August or something. So it was really hot. So I had the window open and my bed was right underneath the window. And I'm like, okay, so it's like 2.30 in the morning. I was like, oh my God, it's so freaking hot now. Okay, so I got to close this window because I think the air conditioning is on. Plus it smells like cicada carcass. I'm done with this. There's a smell to them? Well, yeah, when they're okay. dead. And they start rotting. I, my I was in are... Alexandria. Okay. It was worse. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. My 
My windows are almost never open because allergies. No, so. this th- anyway. I had the window open for some god unknown reason. So I stood up on the back of my bed, and this is like a relatively old house built in like the seventies. So it has one of those crank window things and a latch. Mm-hmm. So I crank the window closed, and I hit the latch like with the back of my um, hand, t- the palm part. What do you call this? The heel. Yes. Okay. So the heel of my hand. So my fingers hit the mesh. And I feel this flick against my fingers. I'm like, God damn it. There's a cicada stuck in between the window and the mesh. And I'm never going to sleep because this thing is going to like rattle all night long in this mesh. So turn on my light, flip my, uh, my, um, this sounds so wrong. Yeah. What do you call it? Curtains? You're telling the story. Why are you asking me? Cause I'm brain dead. Flip open the curtains and I'm about to crank the window open and punch this thing down to the ground into oblivion. Right. It took me a full 30 seconds to realize that the thing waving at me was not a cicada. It was a gargantuan, and I am not exaggerating, wolf spider. <gasps> I had a wolf spider once in my apartment in college. I went through half a can. This is my story. Half a can of hairspray to... to yes. I didn't have Ray, so I, I used hairspray. Hairspray works. I was using it to direct it. I had the front door open, and I used it to direct it so that it crawled out of my apartment and then I no, shut no, the no, door. No, no, no. What you do is you spray it so that it can't move anymore because the hairspray sticks to all its hairs and its hairs stick together well, and they can't the, move and then it dies. This was the 80s so my hairspray was probably Aquanet. So yeah. yeah. No, one shot would have killed it. Yeah. So I'm looking at this thing full 30 seconds. I flip backwards off my bed, take my lamp with me, crash, do a barrel roll out the door, run to mommy and daddy's room, hysterically crying, go, oh my, I'm, sp- 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 can't talk. And my mom goes, to my dad she goes can you go kill the spider so we can all get some sleep (laughs) so i'm huddling in bed with my mother she's trying to get me to like actually breathe because at this point i'm in panic full-blown mode here and understandably so right so from across the house my bear of a dad goes jesus christ that thing is huge (laughs) not helping the situation right so i looked at my mom and i swear i had this like clarity moment where i looked at her and i went told you <laughs> so my dad who's like afraid of nothing gets my mom's dish cleaning gloves a ziploc bag a plastic bag a garbage bag and a pin anything she didn't have and he pins the spider and then kind of like stabs it until it's dead takes the mesh off uses my mom's gloves to put the spider in a baggie then put that in a bag then put that in the garbage bag and then took the garbage all the way out to the curb and he comes back and he goes, okay, I got it. Hmm. And at this point, I was kind of like laughing because what the hell? <laughs> Just punch it to the ground, dad. Anyway, that's my story. Now ask me how old I was. How old were you? 23. Yeah, mine occurred when I was about 19. And I was not, a, I lived in an apartment by myself at college. And I had never seen such a hairy spider hmm. before. Yeah, no, they're freaky. Yeah. Look like it looks like a brown tarantula. It they're enormous. They might as well be tarantulas. I remember being in an apartment in college and seeing three of them on my on my apartment floor. And this was in Ohio. I parkoured out the door, rah rah. Parkour! Parkour, parkour! <laughs> I like did it was like the floor was suddenly lava. I wouldn't go on the floor. And there was like, so I'm on the couch. I climb up the back of the couch and jump to the Parkour. other couch. And then I and then I opened the door and I ran out the door. Luckily I had my keys. And I went to Walmart 
and I bought two cans of Raid and a bottle of wine. See, the problem is great. You kill it. But then who's removing the carcass? The boyfriend. Ah. He came over and he scooped them out. I wasn't touching them. I ever tell you about the dead rat in my house? No. Why are we? Oh, God. So at the time, I lived in Boston. And I was single. I was going through my first divorce. And um, I was packing up the house to move out of it. And my foot touched, as I had, was in one of the closets, my foot touched something furry. And I went, oh, how did my cat get stuck in the closet? And then I kept moving. And then I went, wait a minute. No reason this cat should be in my closet. And I looked and it was a dead rat. So I did what all good Jewish American princesses do. <laughs> and I called my daddy. Who was in Arizona because from Arizona to Boston, he was totally going to be able to help me. And he said, honey, I, I, I can't help you. You're on the other side of the country. You're going to have to figure this out. Oh, should I also mention I was 30? Okay. Hey, there has been an instance where there was a spider that dropped down on me while I was naked and sudsy in the shower. And I jumped out of the shower and ran out the door. Yeah. Buck ass naked. So um, my next bet was I double bagged garbage bags. Mm-hmm. I put on those yellow dishwashing gloves. Yes. Sounds familiar. Um, because I lived in Boston, I had both a snow shovel and an ice pick thing. Like you do. Right? Like you do. And I used the ice pick thing to drag the dead rat onto the snow shovel mm-hmm. and then took the snow shovel and dumped the dead rat into the double bag, garbage bag, <laughs> sealed up the double garbage bag, held it as far away from my body as my short little arms could do. <laughs> Which is like two feet. <laughs> and ran it out and put it in the garbage can. Okay, so you and my dad have a lot in common. <laughs> Nobody, I lived alone. Nobody was coming to help me with the dead rat. And I needed I needed to finish unpacking up what was in the closet. You seem a little verklempt. I was, and this was 1996. And I'm still... Oh, that's the year I started high school. Fuck you, I was a mother already. Anyway. <laughs> I had to put some humor right. in it because we're freaking each but, other out. But the satisfaction of overcoming my fear of that and actually taking care of that rat, mm-hmm. that felt good. I So I have overcome one fear with spiders one time and it was to save, I don't remember if it was a baby or a puppy. But I killed a spider because... Same thing, baby, puppy. Same th- Yeah, drools, poops, whines, cries, bites. Yeah. Whatever, whoever I was saving, I killed a spider. Oh, it wasn't that big of a spider, but I did it anyway. Another thing that people like from the fear play is when you've survived something with somebody else, it helps create a bond between you. I mean, we've seen this with survivors, right? Of yes. Anything. You have a special bond because nobody else understands what you've gone through more than that person. So that creates a bond. And then, of course, the old curiosity, the why somebody would, would use curiosity as their motivation for doing fear play. Even I, who am curious about everything. Well, don't did you ever see that. that TV show where it's like you have to do all the things to overcome your fears and they like have to eat cockroaches or something like that or put their or lay in a tub and it fills with. As I said, I, I it's one of the things that's just not one of my things. Yeah, no, I'm never, ever, 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 ever doing that. So if you and your partner want to incorporate fear play into your life, you need to have a strong foundation of trust, right? It's not the kind of scene that you want to do as a pickup play. Nope. Right? You need to know them. You need to know how they're going to respond. You're going to need to have um, trust that your top is not going to take it too far. Um, it, it's 
if somebody approaches you as wanting to do fair play as pickup, while you, of course, get to do your own thing, our opinion, and as we often talk about in this, ep- in this podcast, we have, we opinions. have opinions. My answer is say, just say no. Yeah, it's it's just not safe because you don't know. You can't really trust that they're not going to, like, break safe word, for example. Right. How the hell do you know? Yeah. Incorporating fear into your scenes with new partners is just not worth the risk. If it's not with somebody that you can't beyond 100% trust. Right? Now, Actually, I, know- I just want to point this out. Wouldn't you literally be trusting them with your life in certain instances with, like this? Yes. Because if you have an anxiety attack... Wouldn't that, that's like your, that's your freaking life. Right. And depending upon what kind of fear play you're doing. Right. It could literally be your life. Yeah. Like if you're afraid of spiders and they put a black widow on you and you panic and it bites you, you're kind of fucked. Yep. That's all I got. Yep. Yep. All right. Now I know what's going to come is no shock to anybody. Fear play requires you to negotiate in depth. And communicate openly. What? What's that word again? Communicate. I swear we should put that on a t-shirt and sell it. As the top, you need to have a really solid understanding of what is on and off your bottom's menu of things. What they will and will not do. That includes their preferences for the activities they really want to do. The soft limits. Their hard limits. The things that they don't know which category it would fall into. Like what? Like you haven't tried, if you haven't done something before. Right. You know, you're not necessarily putting it on your hard limits because you don't know if you have an issue with it or not. You're curious about it, but because you've never done it before, you don't know how you're going to react. Okay. No, I see that. It's kind of like how I felt about cupping. Right. So you needed to be with somebody that to do the cupping who would know cupping well enough to recognize potential body signals, body language from you that would indicate discomfort. Yeah. And they have to know me relatively right? well too. Yeah. Because like I can tell somebody who's doing impact on me since I've done impact enough times, I can tell, watch my toes. If my toes are curling, if I'm stomping my feet. Those are indications I am at a point where I might need like a break before you do the next thing. But if it's something I've never done before, I cannot give you the top any hint of what to look for body wise. Mm-hmm. But if you're with somebody who's experienced, they may have topped enough people to say, traditionally, this is the body language I tend to see. When this when, is going a when, little too far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's makes a, sense. That's what I mean, right? Ask questions. You can never ask enough questions to really understand how your partner's mind works and then listen while they answer. Fear is a totally subjective experience. I mean, look, Dara's scared of spiders and we have a friend who keeps them as pets. E- yeah. Right? I'm never going to this man's house. Not a fan of snakes. Dara's had snakes for pets. Explain that one to me. She petrified the spiders, but the snakes are okay. Okay. Snakes, to me, those all fall into the same no, no, category. No. Snakes don't have enough legs. It's the overabundance of legs and hair that I can't stand. Besides, these were little tiny snakes. They were adorable. Hey, did I ever tell you that I scared Tinkerbell's dad half to death with these snakes? You'd scare an ex- Listen, I have a... Do you know, of all things, I, I have a, a fear of birds. 
birds? Birds. Because I they mean, can flap and land on you wherever. When I, growing up, I had several friends who had parakeets as pets. I, okay, I and don't like rules pet birds. And the rules were, the rules were, you cannot let them out of the cage when I am over to visit. Because the idea that they could flap and you could hear the flapping next to your mm. ears and then they'll land on your head and they could poke you with their, with their beaks. No. I am scared of hamsters. Or is it gerbils? Whatever. Tiny little rodents. I hate them. Aww. Guinea pigs. I don't. Oh, I like guinea nothing. pigs. Nope. Cannot stand them. Chinchillas. Anything in the rodent <gasps> I family. I had a pet chinchilla once. Cannot Snow stand white. them. Seriously? She was all white. Oh, my God. That's original. I'm very bad with naming names. That's why I need help when I name my stuffed animals. I'm really bad. Yeah. I'm good at naming children. Bad at naming stuffed animals. I think I would not be afraid of a capybara because that would just be really interesting to pet. But other right, than- How do you feel about ferrets, which seem like a cross between... A cat and a rat? Yeah. I don't know. I've never held a ferret. But gerbils and uh, hamsters, that's a no-go. I got bit mm-hmm. by one when I was a kid underneath the freaking fingernail. There is no pain like an under-the-fingernail bite. Okay. It was terrible. Right. Um, you also need to know any trauma that they've been through. Like hamster bites. Well, because if you're, let's say, during role play, you're making threats of sexual assault. If this is someone who's actually experienced a sexual assault in their past, it might be too far, that threat. And you might trigger them and set off... Uh, a real panic attack a crisis response right? yeah so you need to have you need to know this also don't do it if it wasn't negotiated right but that's part of the communication you need to know this and ask about this and part of the problem is and one of the reasons you need to ask bottoms you need to be honest okay don't agree to something because you think your top wants to do it be honest. If it's something you don't want to do, don't fucking do it. And let them know that you don't want to do it. Okay. Trust me. Any disappoint. This will also be and give you the ability to judge your top. Because if they respond in any negative manner to you saying no, that tells you everything you need to know about them. Mm-hmm. And isn't it better to know that before? Right. Your feelings and desires matter just as much as the top. But the top, your feelings and desires matter, too. So if you have a bottom who, let's say, wants to do something with knife play, but you got cut once as a child and required lots of stitches. And now you just have this thing with knives. Guess what? You get to say no. Also, you tell them I'm not going to do this. And lots of people don't think that tops can have this kind of thing. You absolutely can. If there is something you have a trauma response to as a top, you can 100% also say no. Right? Everybody can say no. All right. So we've gone over all of those ways. Now let's figure out how to actually incorporate fear into your scenes. I'm actually very curious about this. Oh, I'm so glad. All right. Let's first talk about the different types of fears because then this understanding the different types of fears will then enable you to figure out ways to incorporate them. I don't like these. Oh, because you're supposed to be afraid of them. Except for maybe the last one. So there are specifically five types of fears that are pretty common. I mean, you're going to run into people 
you know, who like have a fear of spiders while others don't. Gonna run into people have a fear of snakes while others don't. People who have a fear of birds while others don't. But these particular five ones, most people seem to have them. Number one is extinction. Yeah, that seems awful. Right? Basically, the fear of annihilation, of ceasing to exist, of dying. That's a no. That's what you get on roller coasters. That's why you don't ride them. That's why I don't get on them. Second type of fear, mutilation. Basically, you have a fear of losing any part of your body. Okay, see... There's people that think piercing your ears is mutilation, though, or getting a tattoo. But that's not losing any part of your body. That's mutilating a body part. We're talking about amputation. Afraid, uh, afraid, uh, well, not just amputation, but you could have legs that no longer work. Okay, yes. Right? Loss of autonomy, which is being immobilized, paralyzed, restricted, smothered, and trapped. You actually like that, though, don't you? The mummification part? Yes, but not being to me being mummified is not being paralyzed that is being immobilized though and it just feels like a big hug but again because i know how it works like i know if it's with rope you can cut the rope out if i know if i'm in a vac bed you just unzip it Mm -hmm. there's it it doesn't have to say fear another fear is separation which is your abandonment rejection loss of being connected to your partner or whoever right and then finally ego death that one's the most that's the interesting one to me humiliation shame self-disapproval huh all right again a lot of kinks work together and there's overlap so your fear play could be humiliation play right the humiliation is causing the fear and so for instance it could be I am humiliated, so now I'm afraid of my reputation. I'm afraid of how people look at me. I'm afraid I'm going to be rejected by a group of people. Like, right? It all combines. No, I can see that. Absolutely. Okay. I have that fear. Right. No, what what is the one where you're like, it's um, fear of missing out. FOMO. Yes, I have that. Oh, yeah. That is, I feel like that's not a legit fear. But, like, at but the same goes, time, it gives me anxiety if I'm not there for something goes, important. Okay, but that is part of the separation. Because think about it. If people are doing something and you're not a part of that, you're being rejected. You're being left out. You have that loss of connect of connectedness. <gasps> oh, my ding, God. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that's not a good one for me. I will, like, that would be panic attack mode. Okay. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. No, that works. Okay. So I feel better now. It is actually a legit fear. It's a legit fear, FOMO. All right. So fear is an abundant play field limited only by your imagination. As we've just been, we're not even up to the point where I'm giving you ideas for fear play, but just a couple things we've thrown out. You can see there's a wide range. All right. But part of fun of fear play, start with anticipation long before the scene actually happens start talking to your bottom about what you're going to do to them you can guide them to get excited and yet nervous and their head space long before do you know we used to do it with you do it parents do it with your kids you know wait till your father gets home and now they have to, and now they're anticipating what's going to happen well 
we can do that. That's kind of like telling them to go cut their own switch, right? Yep. Hmm. Actually, wouldn't that work beautifully with somebody into uh, BDSM, masochism, and fear play? Uh-huh. Like telling you. Well, telling you, I'm go- you are being punished. Go pick out which implement yep. we're going to use on you. Right? That's, that's setting up the anticipation. That's you haven't the, actually touched them yet. That's the kinky equivalent. Right? Um, here's some other ideas. When they come, let's say you, you live with the person, right? They come home. And on the counter where they typically leave their, their, their bags, just leave a paddle out or a belt out with a note on it that says, we need to talk. Ooh. That's hot. Mm-hmm. That's actually really hot. Okay. Lay a costume or kinky clothing out on their bed and tell them that I will be home at seven o'clock and I expect you to be wearing that and kneeling in the house waiting for my arrival. I have plans for you. <laughs> okay. It's good. Now their heads. Go, mm-hmm. Now they're go, you buy a toy. Let's say you don't live with them. Buy a toy and have it sent to their address. Then they, you didn't tell them that they were doing this and they suddenly they just get this box. Well, you could say, oh, I ordered you something. And now while they're waiting for the order to show up, oh, my God, what, what, what is that? What is it? And then they get it. And it's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen with that? All this anticipation, oh, that's going to become more, it's going to get more dramatic. It's going to get things more complicated. It's going to be just more fun. Rara's already getting into this. Right? Leave them a to-do list with chores that you want them to have done before you're getting them home. And let them know they'll either be rewarded or punished, depending on how well they did those chores. Ooh. <laughs> Actually, I kind of like that. Right? <laughs> Remember, you can instill fear with your words just as much, if not more, as your actions. You know, let's say you are doing a scene with a, with a bottom and you tell them to stay still. And if you can't stay still, I'll make sure that you do and bind you up. Right. That's you've worn the bottoms who can't hold still get restrained. Do I have to restrain you? (laughs) Is this supposed to be like turning me on right now? Like I seriously, I always worry about the people who are in the cars. (laughs) Because remember the the one patron that said you guys Mm -hmm. really fucked me up on my drive today. I always worry about that now. Sorry, not sorry. Man. Now, you can do something like that if you already know that bondage is on their okay list and therefore fair game, unless they're safe words called, right? And if you're the top, that's a fun one to do because the odds are your bottom is not going to be able to stay still, especially now you've revved it up by threatening them with a good time. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll end up having to to tie them and then everybody wins. Yay! It's a win, win, win. Another strategy that can be effective for generating fear is to pretend to ignore or disregard everything aside from your sub safe words, because that you cannot ignore. But we're pretend. Remember, this is pretend role playing. All right. So you should still be absolutely aware of of everything your partner's saying, perceptive to their verbal and nonverbal cues. The point is the illusion that they are helpless. So when they're begging you to stop, just smile at them and go, I don't think so. I 
I'm picturing doing this. I need a new sub. <laughs> and again, you got it. All this needs to be negotiated ahead of time because you need to know, you need to have a safe word in place because in those instances, no and stop would not be good safe words. No, not necessarily. And again, this goes back to C and C where like, you know that no and stop are going to be ignored. This is why you have safe words. This is kind of the same thing. This, wouldn't this be a form of C and C? See, I would say fear play gets included in C and C. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. It's C. not limited. C. Ah, C. Do you see and see this? I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do uh, things like just holding a paddle up in front of them that you know they don't like, and tell them, "If you cannot stay still." I'm going to use this next. And again, as long as it's not something that is a hard limit for them, right? That you know is on there, like with me with canes. Canes are not a hard limit. I hate them, love them. I hate them, but love them. Same thing with the Wartenberg wheel. When John and I play, John's favorite thing is if I'm not behaving is to pull out the Wartenberg wheel. Yes, I know. I've seen right? him do that. I hate the Wartenberg wheel, but it's not a hard limit. So he's, he's, so like that would be the case for John to lean over and say, if I hear one more word out of you, I'm pulling out the Wartenberg wheel. And then Rawa doesn't say another word because she's a good girl and he doesn't get to have his fun. Yeah, but again, remember, I have the right to remain silent. I just don't have the ability. True. That is your new catchphrase, isn't it? <laughs> yes. How many times has he pulled out that Wartenberg, Rawa? As often as he can. Because <laughs> he knows I hate it. And he's a sadist. He's also a brat, and so are you. So this works out really well. It's brat on brat crime. I love it. <laughs> now, people have also used fake versions of real phobias to create fear. So if I were doing a scene with somebody like Adara, I might just say, oh, look, there's a spider when there really isn't. Yeah, you cuntosaurus rex. You're welcome. You could get plastic spiders. I mean, eh. you don't have to pull out the, the actual thing. It's all, I mean, fear falls to me within mind fuckery. Yes. You can do mind fuckery that's not fear, but you can also, and, you, and fear you could do that's not mind fucking or actually doing the thing they're afraid of, but you can also use mind fucking to create that fear. So like when Daddy J made me kneel in front of him, and he pulled out the scorpion. Yeah, but the scorpion was in a box. So it's in a, it was in a, encased in, in uh, what do you call that? Acrylic. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, sorry, but I think that counts because I was definitely afraid of that. Like I was shaking. Now I got a huge adrenaline rush out of that and I loved it, but he hasn't done it since because I actually started to like freak out. But it's not. It was real, but it was fake at the same time because there was no fear that I was actually going to be able to touch this thing. Picture this. I read this. Somebody did to. this scenario. Okay. Knife play scene. Mm -hmm. Person was tied up and blindfolded. They had already said which knives could and could not be used. The top held the knife to their throat and said, don't you dare move. If you move, you can be cut. And then did something that eventually the bottom moved. Right. Okay. And the top was like, fuck. God damn it. And like dripped a little bit of honey on them. So it <laughs> felt like blood dripping. <laughs> That's evil. Right. What they had actually used is not a knife, but 
credit card. Yes, I've, I've right? heard of that. Yes. And the edge of the card. So it felt like it had. Put a, and then they put some towels down on the floor. So they untied the person. Like they pretended to clean up so-called blood. Tied up the person. Untied the person. Stood them up. There were towels on the floor and said, D- don't look. Just don't look in that area. We'll, we'll get it cleared up. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So all I kept thinking during that was that scene in The Punisher where he's got some guy tied up and he has a... That's in my notes. Is it? It's in my notes. Okay. Yeah. The movie scene. Yes. Yep. Go ahead. Tell the story. He's he's got a blowtorch and he tells him that this is going to burn the skin so bad that it's going to feel cold because it's going to burn your nerve endings. Mm -hmm. So then off to the side, he, you know, turns on the blowtorch. It goes... And he uses a popsicle on the skin and the guy's screaming bloody murder because he thinks his nerves are being blowtorched off. Right? Like that is the ultimate type of fear play and nobody's actually getting hurt. And again, this is fun because deep down the bottom knows you're not actually going to hurt me. You're not actually going to pull out the blowtorch. You're not actually going to cut my neck. I mean, in the Punisher he did, right? but, but if there's any indication on the bottom's part that they really think this is going to happen, Perhaps you shouldn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to. Again, this is the kind of thing where you want to start slow. You want to start easy and kind of build your way up because you need to build trust as you build the scene. Again, never underestimate your words. They're immobilized and you lean over and you whisper in the ear. You won't be able to stop me. I can do whatever I want to you. And you cannot stop me. Robert, anybody ever tell you you kind of sound like an evil psychopath when you do stuff like that? Thank you. <laughs> you're so sweet to me. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> I am a, I'm a, I'm a sadomasochist. So I was like, I, yeah, again, can you get that out? <laughs> I, yeah, no, that's what she it's said. A, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that goes into the humiliation part. Remember, like, is it in yet? Can you get that out? I mean, what are we doing here? Okay. Um, fear play is not necessarily one of my particular scenes that I do, but you, do, I do incorporate kind of a little bit of light fear into my impact scenes where either my bottom is blindfolded or I'm behind them and I'm holding two implements, one gentle, one not so gentle, (laughs) right? And I'll use one to rub and get their head going on my, like I could use maybe the hard one and and making it fearful. Mindfucker would be the opposite, but just fearful where I'm, I'm getting ready as if to hit them with this really hard implement and then instead as I like seem to go back, because I'll go, all right, you ready? This one's going to hurt. You ready? Here I go. I'm not holding back here. One, get ready. Two, <laughs> take a deep breath. Three, and then I do something soft and gentle instead. That's a little bit mind fucky. Yeah, well, just a little bit. I, uh, I have this one person who comes when I do risque. I've gotten her two or three times, I think, now. Mm-hmm. She loves the fear of the electro. And she, like, so it's the anticipation part of it. So I'll say this one's going to fucking hurt. 
it's re- it's really I'm, and I, I threaten her to get her in a spot that she really doesn't like and she's like she's anticipating it she knows it's coming and then I'll actually do it she doesn't like the pain part of it but she wants that to be there as the result kind of a thing but she loves the anticipation like she'll shake she will shake and shake and be like oh, okay okay and then I'll like do the thing and she's like ah! and she screams and she's like okay yes so like you can incorporate fear into a lot of stuff. Now in that case, I didn't mind fuck it. I actually did it, mm-hmm. but I had permission to do so. I mean, when you think of fear play scenes, I think the two most common ones that people think about are rape and kidnapping. All right, sometimes together, sometimes completely separate. I have friends who are um, at the time of recording are at what's commonly lovingly called camp. Yes, I have a few friends summer there. camp. Yep. And one in particular I know is in charge of a kidnapping scene. Ooh. Right? And that's that's for people who really big time like the fear play scene. The same thing with the rape scene. But if you just want to incorporate a little bit more fear into your play, then the ways that we've talked about have done it. Um, and a lot of it is it does you you can do actual things where you Hold a knife to them and say, don't move. Now, most of us know if you're playing with knife play, they're not going to be that sharp because you want to make sure you're not going to risk hurting somebody. Um, but it's still in the whole scene, their mindset. They don't realize that. Um, you can pull out different toys. Like in electro play, Dara could do something where she pretends to turn it way up. I've done that. Yep. Uh, but actually doesn't. So what's interesting is, you know, the the, um, the digital versus the mechanical and the noise difference? Yes. The mechanical is terrifying sounding. People freak out with that one. But it's uh, it's not as sharp. Yeah. I have that with the um, fire hose. Fire hose paddle makes a hell of a fucking sound. Mm-hmm. Right? And now the person who's going to, re- who I usually play with, they know this and the, it's one of their favorite things. But the atmosphere of fear that it creates in the people in the dungeon as they hear the sound and think that I'm beating the ever-living crap out of this person, that takes their own scenes up a little bit because especially as I talked about with the anticipation, right? Let's say it's a first-timer that I haven't seen with yet and they watch me with these other people and they hear the sound and I'm like, all right, you ready to play? (laughs) I'm warmed up now. I'm good to go. Are you ready? I think I have two things that count for that. Do you remember the paddle that I was using on your ass that was bigger than your ass? I was waiting for you to point that out. Yes. Yeah. So the noise that that thing makes when it comes down is insane, but it doesn't feel like it. She says, has she been hit by it? Exactly. Thank you. No. Right. Big talker, bitch. You don't get to say that when you haven't been hit by it. I mean, I'm fine with it, but I also like, like strange things. That's true. Uh, and then the other thing I was thinking is uh, the fans. Yeah, fans. Mm-hmm. That's a jump scare and a half when I do that to people. Right. I actually, I think I've started to break them because I snap them so hard. Yeah. So you can absolutely incorporate some fear into your scene where the entire, where it's not the, it's the focus of the entire scene, but it just adds spice, spice, extra spice, some flavoring, extra sprinkles. We do like spices and we do like sprinkles. Yes. Yes, Yes, we do. So if you have any ideas for 
some other fear play scenes or you want to share ways that you've incorporated fear into your scenes, we always love to hear this. Add this information to any of the graphics that I shall be posting about fear play. Yes, send us stories. Um, Because never forget that people like ideas of things that they can do in their scenes. And maybe you've got a great idea. Boo. Who? That was supposed to be a scare. Sorry? You made it silly. All right, do it again. Do it again. Boo. Ah! There we go. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. If you have a question you would like answered or just have a story about the lifestyle you want to share, you can send us a voicemail and maybe it'll be shared in a future episode. Just go to pinkkinkpodcast.com to contact us. Follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife. We are Pink Kink Podcast. And on TikTok, we are The Pink Kink Podcast. Join our Facebook group, Pink Kink Podcast, and hang out with other pink kinksters. If you love what we do and are able to support us, we are on Patreon. Just look for us on patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast and check out our Pink Kink swag available on our website, pinkkinkpodcast.com. Even if you can't show your support financially, there are other ways you can help. You can spread the word about our kinky podcast and tell your friends about us. You can also rate and review Pink Kink Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The five-star reviews really help us. And don't forget to subscribe to Pink Kink so you don't miss a minute of the fun. New episodes come out every Friday. So until next time, stay pretty, stay safe, and stay twisted.